Thank you, Brian. Somebody had to think of it. <laughs> I was surprised that it was you. But it wasn't. It was Sue. Galatians. Chapter 1, and I'll read the first five verses. Paul, an apostle not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you. Galatia is not a city, it's a, a region. There might have been a town called Galatia in that, but from the context, we can see that Galatia was a region unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank You for so many, many wonderful, blessed, heart warming, heart-encouraging statements concerning our Lord Jesus Christ that we find in the pages of the New Testament. What a blessed thing it is and what a blessing they are to our souls who know You at all times. Oh, thank You, thank You, thank You, Heavenly Father. We thank You indeed for the apostles, those whom you use to pen the scriptures under the, I won't say anointing, but the, or I guess I could say anointing and inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Father, in this world, there's one thing that points men always to the true God, and that is the Word of God, the Scriptures, the Bible. And how responsible are we who have had Bibles in our homes and ultimately we who are converted are greatly responsible because now You have given us life through the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how responsible we are to pay attention to the Word of God and not uh, go aside by missing some of the truth of what salvation is. Have great mercy, our God, and help me as I seek to teach upon sanctification in this uh, brief series. 
bless our brethren, our fathers, everywhere. Those who are in weak churches, those who have pastors who are uh, truly uh, desirous of doing well and proclaiming Christ and yet are still even ignorant of the doctrine of justification. But they keep proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is indeed the eternal Son of God and the man Jesus as well. Bless them, our God. Bless the pastors with more light so that the people may be blessed with more light. We thank You, our God, for the dear brethren, churches far and wide, near close that we have come to know and uh, have fellowship with many of them. Thank you, our God, that when one of our own uh, seriously ill, uh, we know that we can count on the Word going hither and yon uh, through the electronic media and that there will be many, many churches as well as individuals praying for our loved ones. We thank You. I pray for the churches, our God. Pray that You will call Your people into them. Help us all grow up together. Finish the building, our God. Finish the body, Heavenly Father. Christ is the head. And we believers are the body. Finish the body, our God. And even so, come, Lord Jesus. We look for You and wait for You. And glory in You at all times. Blessed be our great God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And help me now, Heavenly Father, as I seek to minister Your Word or serve You in Your Word. In Christ's name, Amen. <clears throat> Have you turned this on? Okay. That's how good my memory is. <clears throat> Going to be teaching on experimental sanctification. And so that you children will know uh, what I mean by experimental. What God does in you what you sense, what you understand, what you feel, and what you learn, what you know, that you profit by, that is experimental. There are three aspects of sanctification. There is positional sanctification, which we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, because it is Christ's Holiness that brings us to heaven and not our own. It is Christ's sinless perfection that brings us to heaven. And it is not uh, anything meritorious in us. So Christ, our position in Christ is that of absolute righteousness. We have the very righteousness of God upon our record who believe upon Christ. Now, are you young, young ones, you young men and women especially who are old enough to understand easily what I'm saying? Are you paying attention? 
Are you understanding? When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, your pathway to hell is not under your feet anymore. You are as good as in heaven for as far as the certainty of going to heaven is concerned. Because Christ's righteousness is imputed to your record. <clears throat> Christ's blood has paid for your sins, whoever believes on Him in truth. That is positional sanctification or positional holiness. It's very sad to me that uh, so many people who take the name of holiness and religiously as a moniker go by the title of holiness, Pentecostals and Charismatics primarily, are so ignorant of the gospel. I'm not saying none of them are saved. I'm saying they are very ignorant in the gospel. They do not believe. The vast majority of them do not believe in the real atonement of Christ and do not believe the justification, the full justification of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a grievous, grievous thing. Because if you are in a works religion... At very best, you still have to be in fear of hell because you don't know what sin that you commit may tip you over the line of demarcation between going to heaven and going to hell so that you go to, are going to go, wind up going to hell. But sadly again, when those kind of people in the main hear the truth of Christ preached, the truth of the imputed righteousness of Christ, the truth of free justification through Christ's atoning blood, when they hear that, they will fight you to the death against that truth. <clears throat> I won't even uh, uh, impute what I know is true or say what I know is true at the root of that, but uh, what I'm saying is true. I've talked to lots and lots and lots of people uh, in my uh, many, many years of being a Christian now. And works people, works mongers, those who believe that Christ did not pay for the sins that you commit after you are baptized and become a member of the church, those kind of people are rabidly opposed to the very heart of the gospel, the doctrine of justification, which I hope to take up again very uh, soon. <clears throat> Positional sanctification. But then there is experimental sanctification. What God the Holy Spirit works in the believer in his life 
as a Christian. What his experience is in seeking to grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. Grow in God's understanding of God's love for him. Grow in appreciation. And grow in strength against sin. And the things that God puts you through as a Christian to cause you to grow in holiness, grow in knowledge of God, grow in love of the Godhead, that is experimental. That's what your believers are experiencing God all of the time. Because He, the Spirit of God, is working in us. No, you don't feel Him tangibly. But you can feel the truth that God loves you even though you can't touch God. God is a Spirit. You can't hold Him in your hand. You can't feel the warmth of His being. A man could hug the Lord Jesus Christ or kiss Him on His cheek, but they could not feel the deity. They felt the man, Jesus. He is the God-man. They, were, they caressed the God-man, those who were close to Him. Experimental salvation or experimental sanctification is what we are going to be talking about. And the third aspect of sanctification is ultimate sanctification when we pass from this life into a sinless existence and glorification finally. <clears throat> the word sanctification, the word sanctify, sanctified, and in some places, holy, as it is translated several times, come from the word hagiadzo, to make holy, that is, purify, or consecrate mentally, or to venerate, to hallow, to be holy, to sanctify. A little explanation. To be holy is to draw apart out of this world. This is why one of the reasons I gave this for my text. Who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world. What calls itself Christianity in our day and time is doing all it can to take the world to heaven with it, if we're to count them Christians. Both the men and the women want to dress as close to ungodliness as they can 
want to be involved in unwholesome, spiritually withering pursuits and claim to be Christians. I know what it was like because I was in a denominational setting at one time. And the dear old white-haired elders that we were supposed to look up to and respect, I found out along the way, after I was converted and especially after I began to try to preach the Lord Jesus Christ and tried to tell the people what the Scripture said about holiness and about how we are to live, their advice was always, well, John, if you're going to preach like a prophet, you better expect a prophet's reward. You better expect to get your head cut off or to stay in small churches all of your life if any church will even let you stay there. And it's certain that not many churches wants a real minister who's going to tell them the truth on sanctification in their midst. The very people that left the last Southern Baptist church that I pastored, when they fired me, a good-sized contingent left. And there's just a... Well, I may be, may be wrong, but I think just three still here. James and Sherry and Brian. Now, Brian didn't have Sue at the time, I don't think. they all went back to the denominational church scene, ultimately. Or quit going to church altogether or whatever they did. I haven't kept tabs with them. The truth is that Bible truth on sanctification should not be offensive to believers. God dwells in us. And God is so holy that He is completely, altogether, and unchangeably separate from sin. And it is God the Holy Spirit who dwells in the believer. He is the one that made us believers, granted us faith and repentance in regeneration. He made us alive, spiritually alive. And He is the author and finisher of this book, the Bible, the blessed Word of God. There are several words, but they all come from this, this root word, hagios. And they all indicate the same thing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but... Hagiosmos from, uh, comes from the same word, hagiazo. It means properly purification. That is a state of purity. A purifier. Holiness. Sanctification. Hagion. 
a sacred thing, a sacred place, a sacred spot, holiest of all, holy place, sanctuary. Hagios, from Hagios, an awful thing. God is awful in His wrath. God is glorious in His that awfulness. Physically sacred, physically pure, morally blameless or religious, consecrated, most holy one or thing. The word saint is employed there also. Hagiotes, sanctify, that is the state of being sanctified, holiness. Hagiosune, sacredness, properly the quality, holiness. Now when you hear people talking about holiness, they're supposed to be talking about separation from sin. Not just talking about healing in tongues as the great experience and proof that the Holy Spirit is in you. Your sanctification is the proof that the Holy Spirit is in you. But we will get into that as we go. I was surprised to find a a college dictionary, even though it was in the long line of Webster dictionaries. Probably, I don't remember, I haven't checked the title pages lately. It probably came out of the 60s or 50s. But Webster's College Dictionary... I've got dictionaries that thick and that thick too that would have had more definitions, but I carry this one with me. Carried it with me to be at, have one at uh, Joe and Hannah's house. Sanctify, sanctified, sanctifying, to make holy, consecrate, to purify or free from sin. To purify or free from sin. That's big in our definition. And it's going to be big in our teaching on sanctification. To impart religious sanction. To entitle. To reverence or respect. To make productive of or conducive to spiritual blessing. Those are the five uh, parts of the definition that was there. <clears throat> and so, all Christians, I continue my introduction, all Christians are concerned with sanctification and certainly should be concerned about sanctification. That's why I don't want you to spend, I want to spend a little time just on the definition of the word. It's a big word and I don't want it to scare anybody, but it is. Sanctification is what your life consists in religiously in your activities and the way you live as a believer. And if you are a believer, you are sanctified and you are being sanctified. About sanctification, be ye sanctified is a command to every professor. In fact, be ye holy, be ye sanctified would be a command of God to all the people that have ever existed because they're all supposed to believe on Him. 
and all supposed to live according to His Word. Those who suppose that Jesus died, now this is a major point, even though it's just a line in my uh, opening introduction. Those who think and live as though Jesus only died to justify and forgive sin are greatly mistaken. They are greatly mistaken. Remember, salvation is a unit. Justification and sanctification are one thing. You either have both or you don't have either. You are either being sanctified or you are not justified. You are either seeking to separate experimentally from sin or you certainly are not justified. You cannot find and only a lying preacher would try to tell you or an ignorant preacher it doesn't make any difference how you live if you've believed on Jesus. If you've really believed on Jesus for somebody to make a statement like that would will rend your heart. For its stupidity and anti-gospel elements. <clears throat> when I say that, I'm not saying your works save you or help save you. But without any works, you don't really have faith. You don't really believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't have a hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you want to know what I'm getting at, please, I won't get through this today, please read Matthew chapter 5, chapters 5 through 7, chapter 5 in particular, tells you what the believer's heart is like. It's not telling you how sinless He is, but it is telling you what His heart, His Spirit is like. And if we are like that, we are walking in a sanctified course. Those who suppose Jesus died only to justify and forgive sin, dishonor Him they call their Lord, Make Him half a Savior. People must have a fitness for heaven as well as a title to heaven. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. I'll probably be reading that before we get through this. Read that this afternoon. All of the letters of the Apostle Paul except the one to the, uh, the runaway slave, Philemon, or about him, <clears throat> have a, a, a section teaching about your personal sanctification. Glorious sections. They're not any of them really just alike, although Ephesians and Colossians are pretty much alike. But none of them are just alike. 
We'll be reading a good many of those as we go. Christ delivers His people from sin's dominion, sin's slavery, as well as taking away the ultimate wrath of God by taking away our sins in His life, death, and resurrection. So Christ delivers us from sin's slavery as well as its guilt. <clears throat> Sanctification is the inward work of Christ in His people by the Holy Spirit by which He turns them more and more from the love and habit of sin to the love and habit of holiness. Now anytime you think, I sound like I'm talking about sinless perfection, I am talking about sinless perfection many times, but only when I'm telling you that Christ, Christ, Christ is our sinless perfection. His is the holiness that saves believers. But in that salvation of every believer, there is a hatred for sin. A hatred for what they see welling up in their breast all day long every day. A rejection of it. A denial of it. A desire to be free from it. And as they see the world about them, they are very much in favor of what verse 4 says in our text, who gave Himself for because of our sins. Not so we could wallow in them, Gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world. What does that mean? It means you are separated in your affections and therefore in your life from this world. This happy appearing but ever so miserable world. This lying, hypocritical, baby murdering, Sodomite-loving, God-hating world with all of its emphasis upon their right to sin. To hear people bemoaning to tears, old gray-headed women, the fact that people are trying to stop women from the right to kill their babies. Is both angering, infuriating, and makes you feel sorry for the idiocy, the satanic idiocy, the satanic slavery that these people are in. The Supreme Court that passed Roe versus Wade. I don't know if all of them are in hell yet that voted for that. I think they are. 
But I know that without Christ, they're all in hell. You, any sane person could not imagine that a woman should have a right to murder her baby. Any sane person. And yet people can be so stupid that they'll believe any lie that their leaders tell them to manipulate them just so they can have their way and do what they want to do. And I know that all of you are on the same page with all of you who are believers at least with me concerning that. <clears throat> Sanctification is the unfailing result of real union with Christ. This is my first head. Union with Christ, a union with Christ that produces no fruit, is a union in word only and not in fact. Our Christ is in heaven, and our hearts are with Christ in heaven. Did you know that? You who love Christ, I know that experimentally you do know that. But in Colossians chapter 3, at verse 1, If ye then be risen with Christ, and that if has the force of sense, he's writing to believers, since ye then be risen with Christ, if you were resurrected judicially, when Christ resurrected, that's what he said thus far. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Our minds are to chiefly concentrate experimentally on the spirituals, on the things of heaven, on our God and His glories and the salvation that He's given us. Set, that is establish, your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Did you know that? How stupid that makes Arminianism sound. How utterly stupid. They're going to come and take you out of God. Satan is able to go and take you out of God. You believed on Christ and judicially you're in God with Christ. And Satan is bigger and stronger and tougher than God and he can get you out of God. <laughs> now he's talking about what we are judicially. See, I don't understand. Understand this. Theologically, your judgment day has passed. The question of whether you will go to heaven or go to hell has passed. The instant that God makes you one of His own. The instant that you're granted faith and repentance and are converted unto God, your judicial judgment is that you are now a son of God. You are now a brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you're now absolutely certain of eternal salvation. That is, if you're a real believer in Christ. And this we hold out before you who as yet have not given yourselves into the hands of that glorious Savior. And I urge you to think how unwise you are being to not come and lay your feet self down at the feet of Christ in your mind and plead for eternal life from Him. <clears throat> if the pure water of Christ is in the fount, then purity of life must be in the stream. The branch that bears no fruit is not livingly connected to the vine. You Bible readers know where I'm going. John 15, verses 1 through 5. I am the true vine. The Lord Jesus Christ uses lots of similes to help we ignoramuses understand what he's talking about. They knew all about vineyards. They were all over the place there. They looked like whatever valley that is going through Southern California, I think it is, where there are so many vineyards. I'm the true vine. Note he said true vine. because That indicates that there are a lot of false ones. And boy, are there. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Now to me, that cuts the throat. That slaughters the decision salvation. Jesus is not talking about a decision. He's talking about where your life is. Where your life is. Your life is in Him. Your life is in heaven. And you are established there in Him. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. You understand that? We liken, say, this small church to a small garden of the Lord. Maybe a kitchen side garden like the, uh, even the rich people used to keep although they had bigger ones off farther away. And all of us who are believers are in that garden. Or profess to be. And if He comes and looks, it's like the barren fig tree. If He comes to glean in His garden, He can't find any 
onions or potatoes or radishes or celery or tomatoes. Nothing. Then he cuts the plant down. Casts it away. It's going to be burned. As a believer, the Spirit of God is in you. And He calls upon you. He livingly works in your mind and in your affections. You notice it in your affections very surely because you hate sin and you love goodness and righteousness. And so you want to do goodness and righteousness. You want to do good things. You want to worship God. You want to be where people are worshiping God. I'm sure it's sure, well, I know it is true of many preachers, maybe most of them, that their great interest in uh, getting uh, more people is like uh, savage people, whatever race, they've all been savages at times, wanting more scalps or more heads to shrink or just more numbers that they had killed. They want in the record book going into the denomination they want more names. They glory in that because the people in the denominational churches pay attention to the record book, the denominational record book. You know that at one time in the Muskogee Association at least, I was ranked percentage-wise sixth in baptisms because there were some people in the little country church that I was in and never had but a handful. Their children were in college over at the Warner, and they, they, some of them had friends in there, and a bunch of them came, and over a period of a few weeks, like young people will, uh, they got excited and made a profession of faith, and there was enough of them that with my small number of baptisms, I was ranked sixth in baptisms in the Muskogee Association, at, at least, I don't know. Uh, if it was farther than that or not. But I never was trying to get decision. I was always trying to get people to believe God, even in my most ignorant times. I should not have been preaching those early years because I did not know the gospel any better than any other worksmonger. But I was preaching Christ That's why I'm lenient with ignorant preachers who preach Christ. I was preaching Christ and demanding that people show they're Christians by showing that they love God and love His Word and seek to walk with God. The branch that bears no fruit is not livingly connected to the true vine. His heart is not Christ's. His spirit is not Christ's, and therefore his fruit 
is not Christ. And we'll stop at this place. <clears throat> now let me go a little bit. I see I'm coming to the second major head. Faith that produces no sanctifying influence on the heart and life is not real faith. It is not real faith. It may seem good to the head. It may feel good to the senses. But it is not the faith of God's elect. And there is the faith that is real is the faith of God's elect. But more on that later. It is a dead faith, as James 2.17 says, because it is alone. Even Martin Luther called the book of James a right strawy epistle. Why? Because at the time that he wrote that, he did not understand the gospel as well as he should have. He did not understand that real faith produces real works in people. And that's what James was saying. James was certainly not saying that people were saved by their works. But he was saying, if they are saved... They will have works, God's works, because the Holy Spirit is in them. They're in His Word. His Word is in them. And the Holy Spirit wrote that Word. And the Holy Spirit ministers that Word in your soul and in your mind. Calling you to do the things that the Scripture teaches you are the right things to do. Therefore, Given life from God, those given life from God show forth the work of God in the way they live. They seek to walk as He also walked in the Lord Jesus Christ through this world. And wherever in this world two Christians may meet, in whatever they may differ, they have this in common. Jesus Christ has called them to be conformed to His image. Grace is at work in them, remaking them from the inside out. We'll come back to this place in the second hour. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank You now for Your wonderful grace. Lord Jesus, how we thank You for Your wonderful being. Oh, our God, for God to become a man so that He could save His sinful creatures was God's purpose from, the, from eternity. And oh, how glad we are to be a part of that. Oh, our God, the marvel, the wonder never goes away. Sometimes I think it continues to grow more and more and more the longer we live with our, uh, in this warfare with our sin nature and see how uh, weak we are in our own sight. Thank You for the wonder of Your grace, our God. While God this day called many young men begin to call many young men, strong men in Christ to become ministers of Your Word, servants, slaves to Your Word. 
souls for the sake of the people of God and those that you will call. Have great mercy, our God. Now, Father, please bless us as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Our hearts and minds upon the Lord Jesus, upon He who hanged upon that cross, willingly giving His heart's blood and His very life to pay the sin debt of Your people, Your children, O God. Oh, thank You, our holy God. Thank You, holy Lord Jesus. Thank You, blessed Holy Spirit. Help us to grow in our love to Thee and concern for walking in uprightness. Please do not let any be frightened away by uh, what they think they're hearing, but help them to understand that we are presenting before them the same great and glorious Savior and pleading with them to give themselves to Him, to obey God's command to repent. May the Spirit of God work in uh, all who are here ultimately and call them to Yourself. Pray in Jesus' name.